Hello everyone, this is Justin. And this is Sean. And this is the Dot Matrix, episode 57. On June 7th. First off, happy birthday, Sean. Thank you. <laughs> it has been a, although Sean's birthday, it's been a Justin, Justin, Justin day. <laughs> yes, it has. You have spent every, almost every waking hour today with me. That's right. I mean, I think I saw you literally within two hours of wait, opening my eyes this morning. Which, who's? I'm not complaining. <laughs> you had a great ride over this morning? Yeah, it was a new bike, so I've been enjoying that a lot. And what did I tell you? I'm going to take it in on Monday and get clips. Like bike. You told me, yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to do that on Monday, uh, which will be odd because I, I find my shoes just so big right. <laughs> on my pedals I guess now but anyways that wasn't a topic I wanted to talk about in the podcast is we have limited time because your big festivities are coming we're squeezing in a podcast from the moment in January when we last did it to like literally half an hour before people should be coming to your party oh boy <laughs> well if anything it was right at the tail end of January right so we got like February, March, April, May uh, yes, at least four and a half months. Well, well, a lot has happened in that period. One, you've just turned a year older. I guess so did I. Yes. <laughs> back in March. We have been supporting alternative media. We have had you go on a whirlwind, well, European wind tour with your band. Yeah. And um, everything and anything in between. It's been a... Crazy, almost six months. It's been a crazy time. Work's been really busy for me. Uh, I'm sure it has you. It's, uh... Oh, okay. Yeah, yes, it has. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, you, you've been doing running. I've been doing running. You've been riding your bike to work. Wow. I've been riding my bike to work, even though it only takes about three minutes. I love how that statement <laughs> just sounds like it's equal. You've been I running, know. I've been running. Well... I've been running personal best 5Ks, shaving off five seconds, and you've been out winning, you know, trail runs of over 20K in length and all that sort of stuff. I can't even beat, I can't even win a 70 to 75 year old category in Sunday. <laughs> well, do, do tell a little more about that. How did you end up in the 70 to 75? <laughs> well, as, um, uh, our mutual friend Simone and I, uh, we were doing what we have often done, do, uh, doing a, a house tour with the Vancouver Heritage Fe uh, Foundation. They were doing Vancouver special house tours, which is really interesting. My favorite tour every year they do this one. It's actually quite interesting. And um, we're just, you know, on the tour, she's like, oh yeah, my dad uh, signed up for the Sun Run, which is the 10K, the biggest 10K, one of the biggest 10Ks in North America. And, uh, you know, he's hurt his ankle or, or knee or just not wasn't really feeling to do the sun run so but he had his registration so I uh, ran it the next day which I was not intending to do um, as Simone's dad finishing 25th or 24th out of 125 uh, runners male 70 to 75 <laughs> so nice. 24 other 70 to 75 year olds 
kicked my ass. <laughs> now, did you look at the standings from the fastest to your time? Like, um, I I could only, I only search Simone's dad's name, and then they just say say the ranking. I didn't. I actually sh- I didn't go to the category. I guess you could have gone to the category. I wonder what those times are. But I actually don't wonder what those times <laughs> were. Uh, all I know is I I did a decent time for. And you actually end up running 10.5k because you just zigzag around the thousands of people. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's not like, you know, never training and coming in first in your age category or winning your races, but that's just you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it's it's so weird about that because I never expected, I mean, I... You get medals for different reasons. You get medals for winning the race. You get medals for uh, being in an age category, top three. And you also get medals for participating in some races. So I never know when a medal is going to come my way. I get up in the morning and I'm like, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to push myself, but not in the extreme. But I'm going to see what's possible today. See what's see what's I coming. Wish people could see my eyes rolling, <laughs> but you just can't in this, this. The limitations of the podcast medium. But anyways, keep going, Sean, That's in your true. humble storytelling. I know <laughs> it's one. It is great. We are so all of us who know you are amazingly proud and annoyed at the same time. <laughs> it is so hard to have that two com- two emotions combined together, but you allow us to do that. <laughs> but keep telling your story. It's, it's a... <laughs> well, it's weird because, you know, sometimes you finish the race and you're like, okay, well, I've had my bananas and my whatever's chocolate cake, whatever they have. And then you think, well, I should probably go home now. But then, you know, they start posting results really quickly now, like ever, than ever before. And even before other people have gone through the race and finished. So then you're like, oh, wait a second, I actually did all right. Oh, really? Like, I'm in the top third of my age group? And I thought, oh, I'm going to be going up there by myself because I thought, oh, no, the first and second probably already left. It's been a while. We're hanging out. There's a lot of runners that were running that day. So I'm thinking, you know, we're just waiting for everyone to get through. We're just chilling. No rush to go anywhere. And then Elaine's like, you got third in your age group. I'm like, no. So I thought, oh, I'm going to be end up on that podium by myself or whatever. <laughs> Number three. But no, the other two guys were there. And the guy who got first, I think, I ended up at a, a party that night. Just like a bunch of runners had, you know, they had other runners over. Must have been the most annoying party to be at. (laughs) Yeah, it was different. (laughs) No, it was tons of fun. Um, Everyone drinking coconut water. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there wasn't wasn't a ton of boozing going on or anything, but I ended up sitting next to the guy who beat me, and I had no idea the whole time. So I'd only met him on the podium, like, he shook his hand for like 10 seconds, and that was it. (laughs) But, uh, uh, it was, yeah, it was was a great feeling, and, uh... And so what was the name of the race? For everyone who does, doesn't that, know the story? That one was the... I love it. You don't even remember. What was it? <laughs> Which one? Which one? <laughs> uh, that was at Golden Ears. Okay. It's one of the five peaks. What was uh, the distance on that one? That one is actually eight kilometers. That was eight kilometers. It was but it was like, a trail, right? So there's a lot yeah. of eleva- uh, elevation and stuff like that. Yeah, there was actually only one... I mean, the first couple kilometers was, was like a steady climb, nothing crazy that you had to be like walking it or anything. 
But then around the fourth to fifth or something, it was like steep. And then you had to get over that hump and then boom, like the last three kilometers, you're just blasting it down, like just bombing it. So I was just like, okay, I made it up to this peak. Right. I'm just going to try and just blister through this and then see what I can do. And yeah, I got like 45 minutes and something. So I was pretty happy. And that was that. Wow. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. Oh, and that was the one I got ninth in overall, I think. <laughs> yeah, I can't quite remember. Well, and it's interesting. I, I never really think about it. Uh, when you think about sort of um, when you're in, like when you sort of said like you finish the race, I always visualize like you're ending the race and you're like, and you know you're third for some reason. But I guess when you think about how, how many people are coming in a bunch of different age categories oh, yeah. and, and you're all sort of running, you just don't really know where you place. Like, I always visualize it as being this instant gratification. You, like, cross the line and you're like, you finished third! And I'm like, oh, I guess it doesn't happen that way. It's more, you have to figure it out. Well, you have to figure it out be- in a way because that race was, was also a 14 or 15 kilometer so, oh, okay. so you there's... you go the same way so far, and then the people doing the longer one, they do like a six kilometer loop, and then come back. You uh, know what I mean? So I wasn't one of those people, so I had no idea, right? Like where I was in the grand scheme of things until the end, and then I think Simone, our other friend Simone, um, whose husband Ed was running, uh, and Elaine was running this one. Um, she was like, "Yeah, you, I think you did pretty good," or whatever. You know, it's like. I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I picture you crossing the line and some official with like a radio set kind of grabs you by the, by the way, buddy, you know, or something like that. But I guess that doesn't really happen that way. <laughs> it doesn't. And it's funny, like not to mention the race I actually won, like I got first place. But <laughs> the weird thing about that, he's rolling his eyes. I know. I can't even look at you. Well, I bring that up because... Why do you bring that up? Well... I go through the start line and I realized I was first because there's only two guys in front of me. And when I passed them and no one else passed me, I thought, oh, I knew near the end I was going to be first. But so I was, I didn't expect when I got through there, it was like crickets on a, on a pitch black night, you know, there was nothing going on. There were still sponsors and stuff setting up. No one really (laughs) had any clue that I went through. It was weird. Like, it was just... I was like, yeah, I was like, I think I got first. No ribbon? No. Nothing. Wow. No. And, I, and I'm just like, went to get my hydration fluid and started chatting with people who happened to be around. And no one said, Ed, Sean, first place. No, nothing. They weren't even really ready for... Not say I was, like, ultra fast. Because there was a lot of people that could have blown out my time. Like, you know, more elite runners. But... Yeah, that was a weird feeling. So I thought, okay, this is the most anticlimactic race I've ever gone through. <laughs> now, yeah. what that was in Coquitlam, wasn't it? Yes, that was the Trail River Run, which is every. Oh. I think that was um, October, something like early November, late October. So it was it was nasty, raining. It was just miserable out there, but it was a lot of fun still at the same time. Mm. Yeah, so. Looking forward to the next one, which is Cypress, Five Peaks Cypress. Right. Which is a 14 or 15K. 
Wow. Oh, well, I didn't think we were going to go into the running thing, but I guess we did. Nice. <laughs> so what we... Tell a little bit, bit about your tour. Was that just, to me, one of the big events that took place um, in between podcasts? You know, like that was huge. You were gone for so long, it felt. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that you've mentioned to me since you've been back. Things like, you know... I think your van was broken into, or the passports, you know, all that sort of stuff. Like, is there a highlight, a a, a story that's that kind of encapsulates that experience? Yeah, I mean, I mean, overall the tour went really well. There, you know, there was a few hitches, but you you got to expect that when you're out for five weeks, that something's gonna happen. You know, like some there's got to be something that doesn't go perfectly well. But. Um, you know, there was a there was a few cities that we had a good crowd, uh, a really good crowd, and you know when you end up in a place you've never been in the country you've never been, and there's a bunch of people there to see you, and cosmetics who were with us, but you know that there was some there to see you specifically. That's a that's a that's an that's a really cool feeling, and you know you get that here obviously when people come out to watch you, but. It's it's different. It's a different kind of feeling when it's so far away, and mm. you think, okay, well, you know, there's a reason why we're out here is because we got together, we made some music, we put it out, and people seem to like it. So it's nice to be able to play for audiences, and we were able to go to, ah, uh, man, over that period, I think we played twenty five shows or something like that, wow. and that's a lot because we were playing almost every night. And it was a lot of, you know, obviously a lot of driving. Clint and Phil did all the driving. Because they were the ones who could do, uh, what, what do you Stick call shift. it? Stick shift. Stick yeah. shift. Um, it was, it was a lot of, a lot of good times. I mean, there was, there was no bus stops, you know, it was, you know what I mean? Like, sure. you know, people get on each other's nerves, but it was, that's just expected when you're right. close together for so often. Um, but the, the, I guess the highlights to answer your question are like Berlin, Paris, Brussels, um, Prague, even though that's where we got our van stolen, but the, the show was really great and the promoter and the people there were just so, they just, you know, they say, oh, you know, we don't really get shows like this. And what that means is, yeah, what does that mean? Well, when... When people go see shows in, in, in some cities, it's like, you know, they'll see big names or, you know, they'll see, you know, whatever local bands or whatever pa happens to pass through. But some countries get a certain types of music. Like if it's a touring band, it's going to be full on punk or it's going to be full on garage band or it's, you know, it's a, whereas us, you know, well, obviously we have more of a new wave feel or whatever, but. You know, they're like some some people come and say we don't get bands like like your band, and, it, and it's different, and we like that, and and that's that's really refreshing. Mm -hmm. There were the type of music we do, or you know, type of band we are, or whatever. It doesn't really roll through areas too often, it seems. So uh, it was really really cool that it, they thought it was a little bit refreshing, perhaps, and they had really responsive crowds and. You know, you just feel that energy, and it makes you want to play better. Even though my snare broke during that show, like the drum was fine, but the snares snapped, <laughs> oh. <laughs> like in the third song, and I was like, "Uh," but 
people were so into it. I don't think anyone really noticed. Right. And which show would say that, that was in Prague. That was in Prague. Okay. Or, you know, my drum broke then. Uh, and we got our van stolen that night, overnight. Uh, which was weird because we were staying at a hotel that was above, really nice hotel, that was above the, uh, the venue. <laughs> and our van was parked right inside, in front of the hotel, which was like like a really nice hostel, I guess. Right. Um, and lovely people there. Anyway, so, you know, obviously, um, you know, our guitar player, Clint, his passport was stolen. We had to deal with that, go to the consulate and... So we ended up spending actually a lot more time in Prague, which was, it's a beautiful city. So in that sense, you know, we were whipping around back and forth between our place we're staying in the consulate. And then we had to whip into Budapest, play that show, come back to Prague, pick up his passport. So it was, it was a little bit hairy there for a while, but I felt like I actually got a good mental map of the city after a while. Because nice. <laughs> we were like going in taxis and their van and right. this and that, we'd get our van fixed. So it was, you know... It could have been worse because our our gear was in our room, so no gear was stolen. Mm. You know, passports are hard to deal with, but you know we got over that hump. But but aside from that, um, it was pretty smooth sailing. And so, was it in Prague, or was it uh, like in terms of the audience that really just got your music of mode modern? Like, was it was it in Prague that you felt the best connection between audience and music? Or was it another place? I think there, Berlin, Berlin. Uh, Leipzig, I seem to remember they were really into it. Uh, the Germans seemed to really... You know, we played five or six German cities and we played five or six French cities. Oh, another one that we thought was really great was Rennes in France. And that was a, s- a smaller town, but more of a young- younger town. And we actually only ended up playing... A, it was essentially like a restaurant bar. But they cleared out all the tables on in that area, and you just had all these people from the town just out that night, and they were all packed in there. And that, in some ways, it doesn't really matter where you're playing. If you got a lot of people there and they seem into it, that's really all that matters. And that was an example of that. And um, the promoter, I can't remember his name at the moment, but he he really looked after us after the show, and you know, it was just an overall really good experience. Stuff like that. Okay. Uh, those are the highlights that come to mind. I, I know there's other really good ones, but um, you know th- those are those are ones that spring to mind right away. Cool. Well, I'm looking at our time, and I'm wondering whether or not we should focus on one more topic. And I yeah. have a topic in mind. I don't know if you have a topic in let's, mind. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Enough I was thinking me. we should talk about. <laughs> That's my subtle way of saying enough about you. It is true. It is true. But we don't want uh, people to start buzzing you got you buzzing your place to come into your party because we have to get ready for that. Um, but I thought we would talk about Ricochet. Great, perfect idea. Yeah, you know, it's 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 uh, for those of you who haven't heard about Ricochet, it's a new media venture that's not corporately owned, crowdsource funded. Um, a really good friend of ours from junior high is one of the, on the. On the editorial board, uh, on the West Coast editorial board, it's a bilingual, um, pluralistic view of the country. Uh, hopefully, looking to um, uh, focus on a lot of issues and go in depth about issues that the mainstream media isn't necessarily uh, looking at. And I think the term progressive is used quite often to 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 look at their slant. But I would say 
anyone who believes that it takes more than uh, 250 words on a, on a web page or 140 characters to describe a topic, yeah. uh, by definition, is more progressive because you just know that things take time to understand. Right? Absolutely. So, you know, and I know you and I were both sort of taken to the concept of, of just, just being much more intentional about what you're researching. And um, there's an Indiegogo um, campaign still going on. I think it's only halfway done or there's like 14 days left. Yeah. And they're like 60% into their crowds, crowd funding campaign. I think they're looking for 75,000 Canadian as a funder, as funding. And I, I think I saw Derek tweet the other day that even Andrew Coyne is, you know, donated to... Uh, incredible. Uh, which is a good sign of just how everyone from all sort of political sides uh, in the world knows that, in the journalistic world in Canada, knows that there's a need for something that's not uh, potentially influenced by anything other than just good journalism. Yeah, and that's a good endorsement, being someone who's just everywhere in a journalistic world. Right. And I would say, and we were lucky enough to go to the launch party, which uh, happened last week or something, and met a lot of interesting people, including got to see Derek again after a while, and committed to coming into our podcast at some point. But, you know, I mean, I just set the frame, I guess, now. Any, what's your thoughts or opinions on where this might go, or even the event itself that we went to, which was a lot of fun? Well, you know, it's, I I think it, it could really go pretty far, and, and I, I come to that conclusion because, you know, Derek especially and he's got a great team behind him but Derek's the one that we know and he's he's actually come a long way over the years with different organizations uh different uh journalistic ventures uh just uh organizing you know and 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 rallying support for different causes and getting the word out about different things things that don't capture the mainstream attention as enough as they should and I think based on that and just his journalistic integrity and and also, um, you know, adding a even more stronger, more clear voice to obviously First Nations in this country, um, because you know, after things like I don't know more and other movements and um, you know, just issues, controversies, um, trying to find your way through the bullshit when it comes to what's fact and fiction how uh, people feel about different things. And I think they're really just trying to steer through that and find their way through. And and um, so I think spreading the word is good and w you and I will spread the word more. Um, we're fully behind it. And I think, you know, if people just take a few minutes to actually think about how they get their information, I think that's the key thing. We often forget where information is coming from and, and how you know, where, like, who owns those things? Yeah. And and why were certain stories are being told? Like, obviously, you know, things are just happening and we hear about them, but I think there's a lot of viewpoints that get lost, and I think that's it's making a, 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 a bigger impact in that world every year, it seems. Well, you know, I find it really interesting when you think about, uh, I mean, a lot of work that I've been doing lately in my job, I've been trying to all, you know, play a little bit of an observer role in, in the work that I do in terms of, you know, what, why are people incentivized to do the things they do? Like, whether in the context of my job, which is a, kind of a new environment for me than where I've 
worked previously and trying to understand what motivates people to do or not do or act or not act. And, and, and I think the same could be said about, you know, uh, the current media system, right? Like, uh, you have news outlets that are owned by media conglomerates and whether or not there's an arm's length relationship between the business end or the journalistic end or the news end, it hasn't really been always that arm's length. You know, there's always some connection and sometimes it's very loose and you don't know, but it does influence in some way, way, shape or form. So I find it really interesting about the concept of ricochet around it. You know, when I, when I went online and typing my fingers <laughs> to show that I'm doing online. <laughs> He's typing right now. <laughs> and um, and they talked about, like, you know, as a member, you get a, a vote or a say. In, so I don't know what that will mean exactly. It'll be interesting once the campaign closes and, right. and they do launch to get a sense of what does that actually mean, uh, you know, of the 600 or so odd people who will eventually, you know, fund and become members in some way, shape, or form of Ricochet. Yeah. Like, what does that will look like? I mean, you do want a board who's well, uh, you know, who is paid, and that's the other piece of the things. They want journalists to be paid for their work uh, to make the key decisions, because we're not journalists. I'm yeah. not in that business. I don't know the world, and I'm paid to know the world in the way journalists do. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what that balance between what they take control of and what they try to, to, to focus on versus when they do ask uh, our opinion as members of this of this uh, uh, new uh, adventure, whatever that looks like. So I think about that is going to be interesting. Plus the paid piece is the other interesting thing. Yeah. Because I think uh, there's you know there's alternative outlets that are out there. You know I think Huffington Post comes to mind, and I think they have, they pay some, but a lot of it is curated content from other places as well. Yes. Uh, so it will be interesting to be like a fully fledged, fully formed paid enterprise mm -hmm. uh, where the journalists will be working for them as well as probably the, the freelance in other places but you know they're they're they are putting the incentive of pay behind going deep on topics right so yes so that will be interesting too um, to have that in a particular in a Canadian context because you've got like you know the New York Times which has a certain reputation and I I subscribe to New York Times and I do that with pleasure because I, I do think they go deep into reporting even their wedding stories i like because they go deep in terms of why who met who and when and 90 percent of them are always on match.com though it seems really? but uh but just fast like you, you just get to know things in much better depth and i you know that to have a depth a brand of depth will be important to have uh, that in canada so at least that's my thought awesome i feel like i'm gonna see oh no oh, no oh. um okay well, I think in and we, we hope to have Derek uh, yes. on our podcast. We can promote it even more and find out more straight from the horse's mouth, right? As yes, well as Derek uh, the horse. one of his uh, uh, partners, contributors, uh, Melissa Fong. Right, she was going to curate or moderate our, our conversation. Yep, yep, <laughs> which would be great. So hope to have her as well. Um, it's it's going to be a, a fascinating experience. It's it's also really cool to know that you're having. A direct impact you know on on how this comes to be and continues along and and yeah we wish it a bunch of success and I mean it's really for everybody and I don't know I think people are really just awakening to 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 just you know not just being aware of alternative media but just thinking oh you know like democracy now for example like that's pretty huge, 
Right. And look how much that's grown over the years and they do really good work. And some people will say, oh, well, it's very one-sided or whatever, you know, but at the end of the day, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're talking about things that even in the first 10 minutes of that show, every first 10 minutes is, is basically a, a quick list of a bunch of headlines that they're following mm. and will continue to follow. Like they, they actually seem to, um, uh, come back to stories and they don't they don't let things just you know where you never hear about them again and and I'm hoping that Ricochet will do something similar like they'll keep keep on things right. you know that's interesting that's a that's a totally different definition of depth that I hadn't thought of a depth and longevity right like you yeah I mean people will have I mean unless you're CNN focusing on that disappearing plane for weeks uh People keep making fun of them about. I mean, it's still a crazy story. I just, I, I am still intrigued as to what the hell is going on there. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, be able to have a story that doesn't just come out once, but you, you know that someone's gonna pay, keep paying attention to that for days and weeks and months because sometimes stories. I mean, most often stories don't start and stop in a matter of a day. That's right. Like they will unfold. Like if it's a criminal story, there's the incident. And then there's the investigation. And as anyone who's watched Law and Order or CSI, you know, and then there's the, the legal system takes hold. Like those, it takes it an hour chunk and it dramatized. But in real life, it takes weeks, months, even years sometimes. Especially when you do all the appeals processes or even if that even happens, right? Like, so, but you might only get it in one minute, 90 second clip and then that's it, right? But there's a lot of stuff that have, Part of depth is just keeping track of things in the long term would be actually really interesting. Yeah, and I think, you know, people can feel it's it's reaching them through a direct way, whereas, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to look at Global or I'm going to look at Globe and Mail or CTV News. It's, it's just so detached. Like, it's just like classic news form, you know, and... You know, it's all right for stuff in your area or national news. Like, I'll, you know, I watch the news all the time just because I'm a news junkie and I just look at different sources. But this is one I'm really excited about because, you know, I first started seeing the, you know, the, the word out there, like on Facebook and, 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 you know, even Global did a piece on it. And, yes, I saw that. You know, so Noam Chomsky's behind it. Tariq Ali is behind it. And, and I've... I've always been impressed with with how Derek's come to engage with different either activists or journalistic people like Tariq Ali. I knew about that guy because he's in uh, uh, the uh, John Lennon Imagine movie. He he met with John Lennon and Yoko Ono back in the early seventies at his uh, at his estate in in England and. As a younger, you know, uh, I don't know if he was a journalist or whatever he was at that time, and to know that you know Derek knows him personally, I mean, I mean that's amazing because he's done such great work and and has, has has always had amazing things to say about certain issues and and to know that he's behind Ricochet and and on and on. So I think it, it's that's quite something. So yeah, so we we will talk much more about that as we go along in podcast. Hopefully, yes. Hopefully sometime before Christmas. <laughs> yes. Yes. Something we didn't do one when I got back, right? We didn't. No. no. This is it. Wow. 
but we'll have to uh, get back another one at least into the summer. We'll do the jazz festival like we always do, and we'll talk about that. And Can't wait. We will get on it. Oh, I'll just do a tiny plug. Do a tiny plug. You know those like Indiegogo things, like those sure. Kickstarter or whatever? Yeah. There's one for... Um, Don Cheadle's Miles Davis movie. Did you see that? No. Yeah, I'll show is that it, to you. Is it on Kickstarter or is it on... It's a Kickstarter. Kickstarter, okay. Um, he's he's poured a ton of his own money into it, but they, they need another 300 grand and they've got a certain portion of that. But uh, it's a great campaign and I think he's... I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited because he's been talking about doing a Miles Davis movie for a long time and you and I being Miles fans for years, I think... This could get really saying, so maybe we'll post a link for that as well. Yeah, totally. I can't see anyone, like, I remember when years ago Wesley Snipes or something was attending, like, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense, but Don Cheadle makes a lot of sense. But you know what the interesting thing is, I'll just say this quickly, is that I think I heard this movie's based around when he came out of his silent period and came back in the early 80s. I think oh. it actually centers around that period, which, interesting. which is interesting, because it's like, you know... That's obviously not the classic Miles period, but there's a lot of people who love that period, and and that's a, you know, the late seventies, mid to late seventies, period for people uh, for Miles that, it's the, it's kind of like the dark period that people don't really know about, right. you know, and uh, he's going through a rough time, and and I think you know he's gonna explore that, and I and I, I think that would be quite interesting. Well, you know, I think it's a difference between what's the in terms of musically. The most accessible is, you know, that the, that earlier period, uh, but in terms of uh, the narrative of his bio- biography, the period that, that sounds like they're going to focus on is probably has a lot of richness to it. Yeah, and so yeah, hopefully right. people who are interested in who know the music well and that and really resonate with the early period resonate with who Miles Davis is as a musician and a person and will want to watch the movie even though the. It's on a different period. Yeah. But the biography is still so strong, right? So. Oh, yeah. So that'll be interesting. That would be great. And we'll talk about the Jazz Fest. I'm very excited that we can do that together again. So, um, okay, well, maybe we'll end it off here. Yeah, why don't you close us off? All right, well, thanks for listening. Uh, this is The Dot Matrix. Uh, you can find us at iTunes or thedotmatrix.com. You can uh, listen to us anywhere. Listen to us as you're uh, about to go to sleep and you, you just want some calm calm uh just time to yourself and listen to our soothing voices or if you're making a meal or making love or <laughs> waking up either way it's an accessible format absolutely okay well peace and love and love okay, bye, 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 bye.